Hey everyone, welcome back to the Atlanta Startup Podcast. My name is William Leonard, your host for today, and I'm really excited to be sitting down with Kai Tan, who is the founder and CEO of RevMatch. Kai, welcome to the podcast. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Kai, it was um, just a few weeks ago we saw each other at Startup Runway where you and the RevMatch team took home the Judge's Choice Award, and congrats on that. And so, you know, for those who aren't aware or weren't there at the Startup Runway Showcase to learn more about RevMatch, I would love to start there and have you give us a brief rundown on the company and, and what you're building. Um, so as William mentioned, my name is Kai. I'm the co-founder of RevMatch, an AI recommendation engine designed for auto enthusiasts. Um, we essentially help people who have a passion and lifestyle for project cars, modifying vehicles, um, source aftermarket parts in a very disfragmented ecosystem, um, leveraging powerful data um, and several different tools out there. We create a centralized experience that can connect users throughout the whole ecosystem and experience. And before we dive more into the business side of things, I think it's always fascinating to understand how a founder discovers a problem that they're now solving for and, and where their passions may lie. And I think this one's a bit obvious in that maybe you're a car enthusiast and, and have had trouble sourcing parts historically, but tell us more about that and, and your journey and foray into being a founder. Yeah, definitely. Um, so all my life, I've kind of grew up around cars, as you can tell. Um, started out, you know, when I was a kid, just working on cars with my dad. Um, my very first car was a 95 Acura Integra. Um, and it was like a very small, fun little car. But like, really, I, I love just tinkering around with that and just understanding how the inner workings uh, kind of went about. And it just motivated me to really kind of, you know, uh, build this to some sort of aspiration of what I wanted it to be, which was like a very fun, fast car. Um, and then that connected me with more and more other people. Um, and then as the years went by, I had several other different cars going from like, you know, Toyota Supras to, you know, um, Honda Preludes, all these kind of different vehicles. And I kept seeing the same problems arise, which is that it's really hard to source parts. And it's really hard to tell if a part is the right fitment, is the right thing you're looking for that can essentially achieve those goals. What are those goals be like, hey, I want to make a certain number of horsepower or, hey, I want this vehicle to be able to shave off 10 seconds off my lap time. Right. Um, and being part of this community that is very passionate about it. Um, I talked to other people, individuals and really just understood that, you know, other people feel the same way. Right. They're using a lot of outdated tools like forums. Um, they're looking at different Facebook groups, trying to find information that's sometimes very outdated. Um, or like, let's say there's an image that's supposedly supposed to be there, but then it's just like, you know, gone already. And so it's really hard for people to kind of fact check information and verify that stuff. Um, and so talking with a few of my friends who we, we went to Georgia Tech together like a decade ago, we've always been, you know, entrepreneurs in that sense we saw this opportunity to take something that we were really, really passionate about um, and also build a business around it. And so that's how RevMatch evolved, right? Um, I would say like at the very beginning of RevMatch, what we, what we wanted to do was help people do group buys for aftermarket parts. So like if you had like 10 people who wanted to buy the same part, um, you could get a discount for it. Um, but we, when we did more of the research around that, we noticed that that was a very 
uh, difficult process and not many people were, you know, doing that. And so we made that pivot into, okay, like how do we help people find information more easily? And that's how RevMatch evolved to what it is today. Um, and since then we've been, you know, moving very, uh, moving along to, you know, build a platform that provides that sense of community, um, inspiration, and also collaboration with our users. Yeah, I'm sure you have an interesting group and diverse group of users as well. As I think about this market, you know, you think about the traditional websites like uh, a car ID or a rock auto that are just sort of your, your general base marketplace to find uh, used uh, parts and things like that. How would you say that that RevMatch is taking a sort of differentiated approach? And I know that you're using uh, data and even probably some machine learning algorithms to really inform and create recommendations. So tell us a little bit more about that and how it works from a real consumer perspective. Yeah. So, um, you know, in traditional kind of markets, right, people have to have an intention of what they're looking for. Um, and that could be based upon like word of mouth, or it could be just like, hey, I saw something really cool out there. And so when people go into like these, you know, Amazons or Ebays, they're, they're trying to find information with something that they already have in mind, right? Um, whereas what we noticed when we did a lot of our user research is that people spend a good amount of time researching. They spend about eight to 10 hours a week, um, you know, visiting server forums, having 20 tabs open of different like aftermarket websites. And what we wanted to do was simplify that process, right? And so using a combination of APIs out there, uh, big data, and then also social dynamics, we were able to build a recommendation engine where people can say like, hey, I have this year make model vehicle, and this is the project type I want to build, right? So like, I want to build an overland vehicle for my 2021 Tacoma. Using those kind of key pieces of information, we are able to then source different um, resources that can then aggregate all that information to create a curated list for users that can then be vetted by the community. So then when you do see like, oh, hey, uh, I have an overland vehicle, what parts do you recommend for me? Not only do we show you the things that make the most sense for an overland vehicle, which is like, you know, aesthetics, rooftop tents, we're also taking in information from our community say like hey these other 10 people who have the same vehicle as you have this rooftop tent and so therefore it's as uh is more validated that this is a trusted part this is a trusted manufacturer and so because people are able to see that firsthand and they're able to see like other people install it they really ask those questions it creates that sense of community that people then begin to trust and then cuts that research time in half and so that's what's kind of makes us very unique is because of all that information, no one's really aggregating together or kind of centralizing. We have a competitive edge with our proprietary AI because we're able to essentially help people build faster and focus on, you know, building their vehicles. Mm -hmm. And when you say building vehicles, right, are you more so focused on like the, the cosmetic additives or is this more so? also including essential parts like a timing belt or a gasket or something like that as well. Yeah, no, it's all above. So um, it's for anyone who just has a passion of doing auto mechanic stuff yourself or, you know, with a group of people. So it can range from anything from modifications to appearances all the way to performance mods. So like we do have a 
wide various numbers of users on our platform who are just, again, very focused on different things. And because of that, it's able to then aggregate that information to help people kind of, you know, um, essentially collaborate together and work towards, you know, building the same vision or similar visions of their bills. Right. And, you know, as an investor, I can't help but think about this being a B2C app and across many successful B2C apps, you see user experience and in core product design at the root of the company's success. And Kai, you have an interesting background of working on product design and experience at companies like IBM, Meta, and other companies as well. So how do you, leveraging your design background and influence, how are you building the product today to really encompass uh, a thoughtful and strategic uh, user experience? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think like with my background, um, I went to Georgia Tech, uh, have a background in human computer interaction. And so the first and foremost thing, which I think is like for any startup or just like being an entrepreneur is the research in itself. Um, so, you know, before we even jumped into like features and ideas, we made sure we talked to our users, talk to auto enthusiasts. So at the very beginning of, of you know, our kind of um, our journey, um, we, we talked to several friends or family who, you know, had a passion for this. And we just asked them a very simple question. What are some of your frustrations? Um, how do you find parts today? What are the things that you care about, you know, most um, when it comes to purchasing parts, right? And things like, you know, are some very obvious ones like, oh, pricing is a very important piece, right? But then it's also like quality and stuff like that. Um, so because of research being so important, that really helped us kind of lay down the foundation of how we want to approach our roadmap of what features we wanted to build for our users. Um, and then with design, um, we wanted to make sure that, you know, users have a really pleasant, seamless experience. There was no friction points in a sense that, you know, when you're going in here, you're able to do the things that you need to do and then get back to, you know, driving your car, right? Um, so if a good example is like, you know, we really wanted to make sure that when people are um, adding parts to their our, our platform, it wasn't just like a manual tedious process because they could just do that today, right? They could just go to an Excel sheet and do that today, right? Instead, we made it really seamless to where you just enter a, a few key pieces of information um, and then we would handle all the rest of that because of just like the way we're pulling in data. Um, the other piece is that is just that like, again, a lot of our users are very visual people. They like seeing other people's modifications. They like showing their modifications in a more like in a cel celebratory manner, right? Um, so we made sure that, you know, design helped emphasize those things, that it was clear to other users. Hey, here's a part that was posted. Um, here's something that, um, you know, was done recently. How do you kind of, you know, um, comment back on that? So that was really important. Yeah. Um, and I would say like the other piece of design also is just like, iterating and taking in that feedback. So as we continue to make progress on our platform, um, we talk to users and say, like, hey, what are things that you wish for more improved? Um, and that led to you know, us building out essentially a, a specific user flow where we improve the search for people to discover other people's vehicles. And that increased our user retention by a, a big percentage because now people were able to find other users in a more quicker manner. Right, and that's so fascinating you talk about little product tweaks here and there that increase retention, increase 
maybe daily active, monthly active users, things like that. What are some some do's and don'ts from a B2C design product experience perspective that you've seen across your experiences, maybe at Facebook or or IBM that, that work in terms of boosting engagement or deflating engagement as well? Yeah. Um, so like like the one thing to think about is just like not every piece of feedback is the right kind of feedback. Um, you know, there are going to be certain biases that people will have. Um, so when you're thinking about like, oh, should I make this change? Um, you should also look at the opportunity sizing. So like, does this change actually going to have a huge impact or will it have a very minimal impact? If it has a minimal impact, then it's probably not worth investing into because that just means more engineering time. That means more design time, right? So like, that's something to kind of think about. Um, the other thing is just like, understanding like where the direction of the product is going so like for us um you know we we know there are certain metrics that we want to hit from like you know an investor's perspective but also just like how we're increasing that user retention and so like that's i think the key to like a lot of our decision making which is like okay like how is this going to influence our roadmap later on where we can then make you know huge waves when it comes to like looking at like some of our certain metrics that we need to achieve mm-hmm. no that's great insight kai and let's let's shift gears here a little bit to talk more about startup runway and your experience obviously you were one of the the three winners who took home the you took home the judge's choice award but tell us more about your experience in startup runway as a participant and and some of the great things that you in the company were able to experience yeah uh, so we we applied to startup runway and we, we were, were invited to pitch ourselves um and it was a really great experience um one to one to be in front of other investors like you know such as yourselves and you know some of the other judges who have real world experiences helped us kind of understand like you know how to one pitch ourselves um, but also how to, you know, take in that feedback and, you know, go in what direction we need to go in, right? Um, I really personally enjoy just meeting all of the, the judges and being able to, you know, have more real conversations with them afterwards. And some of those conversations actually evolved into like meeting other people in, in the VC community and the startup community, right? Um, so I think that was really powerful to be able to do that. Um, I would also say like, you know, like pitching is hard. Um, and even though like I did win, like I took a lot of practice and that's what these things are about, right? It's just like getting yourself in front of other judges, other audience members and being able to be really comfortable, um, so that you can then, you know, when you do have to like pitch in front of a real VC, you are prepared to answer a lot of the questions that, you know, you got, that I got asked the other day, because like, those are things that surprisingly come up more often than not. Um, I remember very distinctly, one of the judges asked like, you know, um, how will EVs um, and the future of EVs impact, you know, our, our market? Um, and that question has come up probably three or four other t- times in investor calls that I've been part of. And so being able to have like, you know, that in the back of my head and being able to answer that has been really helpful. Yeah, I think one investor is asking a lot of questions. You'll probably get similar questions from other investors. So it really just helps mold your mind around, man, maybe this is uh, a pressing need that I need to address in my deck, in my roadmap, in my pitch even. Um, so I'm glad you had a good experience there. And, you know, you were able to take home some non-dilutive uh, 
funding for your business. How do you see that impacting RevMatch over the next couple of months and into 2024? What's exciting and, and top of mind for you as you think about new product updates, uh, new business model updates, new features and functionalities? Yeah. So, I mean, definitely with the grant is, is helping us a lot. Um, we are bootstrapped today. So we do a lot of things out of pocket just to, you know, make sure we're, you know, building users, growing our users. Um, so a good portion of that will help with like our marketing. Um, it will also help with a lot of our operational costs, right? So like um, there are things that, you know, we have to make sure we're staying ahead of, whether it's things like our server costs, um, there's certain like, uh, I guess, membership fees that we have access to that we need to make sure we're, you know, uh, staying on top of that. So that's definitely going to help with that. Um, but it's just like, I think like the biggest thing for us is not, not the grant itself, but it's just like, it motivates us even more that, you know, there are people who believe in us or else they wouldn't have voted for us. And so that's going to keep us, you know, driving RevMatch to make sure that we're the best auto enthusiast product out there for our users that helping them, you know, save time, but also, you know, connecting them with a big niche community that we can then, you know, build together with. Hi, you touched on the business today and how you all are bootstrapping, right? And, and for some founders, that's a choice. And for some other founders, maybe it's a forced choice, right? Of, of having to bootstrap the company. What are what are your thoughts around that? And, and why are you opting to go that route or have opted to go that route early on? And, and what are some of the benefits that you're seeing of having bootstrapped the company thus far for the early iterations of the product? Um, yeah, definitely. I would say like, you know, the reason we're bootstrapping is because we want to make sure that we have good product fit. Um, we don't want to just bring in early investors too early to the point where um, we lose a little bit of our vision, I would say. And so being able to try to get us as far as we can, uh, you know, to the goal line is going to be really helpful so that when we do have these conversations with investors, we have the right metrics, the right numbers to say like, yes, this is worth investing in RevMatch. This is worth, you know, our, uh, joining our vision, right? Um, the other piece to that is just that, you know, like, um, I would say majority of our or, or all of our founders, like we, we have families today. Um, so like, you know, we're bootstrapping it you know, to the side because we want to make sure that, you know, before we dive too heavily into this, um, we're able to keep, you know, our family secure and stuff like that. And I think that's going to be kind of like the pros and cons you'll see with like older <laughs> um, entrepreneurs, such as myself, who's like in my mid thirties, like, you know, I have a family I have to think about and or else if I was in my twenties. I would just, you know, just go all in and, you know, just like, you know quit my job and do everything with this right um but now like because i have like those responsibilities i'm more careful and tactical about how we're running our business and how we're growing that business because like you know like for us this is like a big risk and you know we want to make sure that we're you know having all our faith into it before we jump in with the right investors mm -hmm. no that makes sense kai i think that's a great place to wrap there really appreciate your perspective on RevMatch and your startup runway experience and looking forward to seeing you and the team grow and scale here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Thanks for being a part of the community of Courage by listening to the visionary founders and investors on the Atlanta Startup Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a single episode of the over 200 investors and founders sharing their insider tips and secrets to growth. Our regular listeners tell us we're the briefing room for the innovation economy in the fastest growing region of the country, the South, and when you subscribe, you become part of the inside circle. The Atlanta Startup Podcast is proudly hosted by Valor VC.
Valor is a venture capital firm that leads seed rounds in AI and B2B SaaS startups. If you like the podcast, check out more of Valor's programs for courageous founders and investors, like Startup Runway. Over $100 million in early-stage venture capital is catalyzed through Startup Runway's grant-making program for pre-seed startups. Go to StartupRunway.org to learn more and apply directly for non-dilutive capital. Valor celebrates VC Day, the largest early-stage private capital conference in the region, at the end of the year. Top founders, leading VCs, endowments and family offices attend. Learn more at vc.day. At Valor, courage is the currency of innovation and the heartbeat of our culture. Thanks for listening and join us again next week.